Joe Douglas is rebuilding the Jets' offensive line and free agency. We break down what the GM has done so far and look ahead at what work is still left to be done. 2019 New York Sports Writer of the Year Mike Vaccaro drops by to look at Douglas's patient approach, what holes need to be filled, and the impact of Tom Brady leaving the AFC East. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Post, Mike Vaccaro, joins us later in the show, but let's talk about the Jets' moves and free agency. All right, well, free agency got underway this week and gave everybody a little bit of a distraction from all the coronavirus madness out there. Hope everyone is out, out there is safe and uh, getting through this. Maybe we can give you a little bit of a distraction with the podcast today. Want to bring in uh, producer Jake Brown to talk about some of the Jets' free agency moves. Jake, how are you holding up in coronavirus quarantine? Well, I'm under a sheet and I'm doing it from my house. It is definitely a unique setup, but uh, you know we're safe for now. It's crazy that the cases in New York, it's like a to like 10,000. It's really gotten serious and we should take it seriously. So I'm glad you're staying in. I'm staying in and you know, everyone's definitely uh, wash your hands and sanitize. Yes, this is definitely a social distancing podcast where we're, we're far apart from each other. Yeah, who would have thought when we did the show last week that we'd have to worry about that? We didn't think this was going to take off like it did, but free agency still going. And you know, I think what's funny is, and I'm a Jets fan and I see a lot of Jets fan reactions. You do. Everyone's tweeting you their reactions. People are ready to cut Joe Douglas's head off about six hours or maybe less six minutes into the tampering period not even when free agency started and now I think people have you know kind of settled back they sat back and liked his patient approach and how he's handled this yeah I mean I've gone through a lot of these free agency periods and unless a GM comes out like McCagney did last year and signs you know Jamison Crowder and uh, CJ Mosley and Anthony Barr for a little while on the first day of free agency and then Le'Veon Bell on the second day of free agency unless that happens fans aren't happy they want big names signed quickly the truth is that doesn't usually work in the NFL if you look at the best organizations in the league the Patriots the Ravens the Steelers how many times do those guys go on spending sprees to start off free agency you know I think what Joe Douglas did here is a smart approach you know w- waited out a little bit the prices will come down doesn't ever seem to work when when you spend big on free agents as the Jets have learned through the years including last year so you know to me this is a wise approach what did you think Jake after that initial you know the panic Monday that they weren't doing anything uh seven hours into free agency I didn't panic because free agency wasn't even official yet and people were I know big names were coming off the board and I get it but we've seen this fall in the Jets faces so many times before when they have gone this route cough cough Tremaine Johnson where it just didn't work out so I think this is smart and he's really happy hammering home what their biggest need was protecting Sam Darnold and his health and they went out and got two linemen you brought one back they'll probably address it more even in the draft so they'll have some depth there so I think it's smart what he's doing listen they still need a lot of help on defense but you can't you know do everything in free agency there's going to be a lot done in the draft and there's going to be trades there's going to be guys cut later on there's going to be signings that happen later in the summer remember this is a different offseason cause than any other because there is no mini camp there is no offseason workouts everything's going to be late we don't don't even know if training camp's going to start in July at normal. We expect it will be, but everything's going to be pushed back, and I think that's going to change the outlook of this entire offseason. Yeah, and I think the thing to remember is Joe Douglas has a six-year contract. 
Jake. This, this is not an overnight fix with the Jets. I don't think they can fix their roster in one offseason. So I think this is a few-year project for him. So this is the beginning, the early stages. You know, Adam Gase has to win, but Joe Douglas is building not just for this season, but for the future. And I think he realizes, you know, you can't just fix everything at once. So it's going to be a process, and fans might not want to hear that. But, I, you know, I think it's going to be a slow process. In terms of the offensive line, I think an interesting thing he's done, I think he's just giving himself flexibility. You know, George Fant from the Seahawks was a, primarily a backup there, can play left, can play right. If the Jets had a game this Sunday, he'd be their left tackle. That doesn't mean he's going to be their left tackle in September. They could draft a guy and move him over to the right side. Uh, they could still sign someone, possibly, uh, and move him. Connor McGovern's a guy who can play center, can play guard. So I think he's just going to keep stacking bodies on the offensive line through free agency a little bit more and the draft, and they'll figure it out, you know, in August, who plays where. All right, let's 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 break these signings down. So first, it was George Fenn, and, you know, people didn't go crazy. Uh, he's a good run blocker, but, you know, he wasn't one of the top-rated offensive linemen by PFF. They gave him three years, $30 million. The key number, Kaz, was $13.7 million guaranteed. They didn't throw him a ton of guaranteed money. Uh, what was your initial reaction to that first move? Uh, the initial reaction was to look up George Fenn because <laughs> I, I don't know much about him. You know, it's funny. Someone asked me, is he an upgrade from Kelvin Beecham? I don't know. I haven't seen enough Seahawks games to know. But then I talked to some people. He's a really athletic guy, Jake. He played college basketball at Western Kentucky. He didn't play college football at all at Western Kentucky until his last year there. And they convinced him this he'd have a better, better avenue to get to the NFL than he did getting to the NBA. So he became a tight end at Western Kentucky his last year. He spent that season there. The Seahawks signed him as an undrafted free agent, and they converted him to tackle. And the Seahawks had Tom Cable, who's a longtime offensive line coach now with the Raiders, who's done this a few times, converted guys that haven't played offensive line to offensive linemen. He started that first year. He's had ups and downs. He had an ACL injury. He, so he's been kind of their, their sixth offensive lineman in Seattle. But the Jets feel like they got an athletic guy. He can pull on screens. He can get outside and, and, you know, some of their zone schemes, stuff like that. Um, So we'll see, you know, and I think after digesting it a little bit and seeing the contract, it's basically a one-year deal. They can get out of it after this year pretty easily. So they're basically they're taking a flyer on them, see if they can get something out of them. And Brandon Shell goes to the Seahawks. So it was kind of like a trade, both sign a free agency. So a little swap off essentially there. The next one was the big move for the Jets. They go out and get their center, Connor McGovern from the Broncos. Three years, $27 million, $18 million guaranteed. He had zero penalties last year. What do you think of that signing, and what does this mean for Jonathan Harrison? Is he back to the Ryan Khalil situation where he's put in a backup role again? Yeah, I, I like the signing. You know, he's a guy, he started 31 to 32 games for the Broncos the last two years. As you said, no penalties. That really jumped off the page at me when I looked at him. Penalties were a huge problem for the Jets last year. Not really in numbers, but if you watch those Jets games back. I've been I rewatched the season every year, and I was amazed when I rewatched the season how many big plays they had wiped out by penalties. Because you kind of forget, but they had so many big plays wiped out by holding calls on offensive linemen or blocks in the back. So to have a guy with no penalties, I think that was a smart signing. And like I said before, he can he can play some guard too. As far as Jonathan Harrison, he's another guy. He can play multiple positions. So I think Doug Douglas's plan here is to get the most guys he can to give them some options and they'll kind of figure it out along the way. So maybe Harrison plays a little guard at some point. You know, I don't see him as a starter right now, but Jonathan Harrison has kind of worked his way into the starting lineup the last few years. So maybe it happens again. And finally, the last piece that they addressed for the offensive line was bringing back Alex Lewis, three years, $18.6 million. He only gets $6 million guaranteed. Seems like a win-win move by the Jets to bring Alex Lewis back. 
Yeah, I thought Lewis played well last year. You know, they traded for him in August from the Ravens, uh, gave up a seventh round pick, and he ended up becoming the starter in week four, you know, replacing Kelechi Osemele. And he would have replaced Osemele no matter what was happening with Osemele's shoulder. That was part of the issue there. Uh, They liked him a lot, and I thought he played pretty well. He was a, you know, very tough guy, kind of stabilized that offensive line a little bit toward November, you know, when they started playing better. He was a big piece of that. So I thought it was smart to bring him back. And again, not big money. Like you said, $6 million guaranteed. So Douglas is kind of, you know, looking for those bargains out there. So if you're looking now, say say they don't make any of the moves. Obviously, they're still going to do stuff in the draft. What is your offensive line, your starting offensive line for the Jets in week one, if, if it is as is? As is would be uh, McGovern at center. Then they would have Alex Lewis at left guard, Fant at left tackle. Brian Winters is still on the team at right guard. We thought he might get cut, but he's still there. He's at right guard. And then Chuma Adoga, who was, you know, played a lot last year as a rookie, would be right tackle. Like you said, I, I still think there are moves coming. I think they'll be active in the draft. They might add they might still add somebody in free agency, although a lot of offensive linemen are off the board right now. Um, but I definitely see them drafting an offensive lineman. And there's definitely more work to be done at other positions. They haven't done much else. The other move they did was re-sign Brian Poole, a cornerback for one year five million. I know you tweeted you're surprised that he got that little you thought he might get more money than that yeah I was stunned you know I was stunned he I like he played very well for the Jets last year he was their best cornerback which you could say that's the like being the world's tallest midget you can make that that joke if you want but it, it, he was he was really good for the Jets after he came over they got him on a one-year deal last year from the Falcons and uh I thought he would he would get a bigger a contract than this so kudos to the Jets for getting him back one year five million I think that's a big piece of their defense that they needed to have back and they definitely need more help at cornerback for sure where do they stand now financially do you know what is their cap situation how much more money do they have left to spend yeah, I'm not sure exactly because not all the contracts have been processed yet, but to, I would guess right around $30 million in cap space. The way the Tremaine Johnson thing works is they don't they don't get that cap space till June because he's a post-June 1 cut. They're going to designate him that way to spread out the hit. So you can't just say, oh, they, they got all this cap space from Tremaine Johnson. That's really not going to work that way. So they, they probably about $30 million, which is a good number to work with still. They can still make plenty of signings. Um, you know, they're not going – you're not signing guys. You know, Jadavian Clowney's not coming here. You're not signing him for $20 million a year unless his price somehow way went way, 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 way down. They're clearly looking for guys in the $10 million area. You know, I think they still have a lot of a lot of moves to make, and then they'll get that extra money from Tremaine in June, and they can use that toward draft picks or signing some more guys before the season starts. Like you said, this could be a very odd offseason, and we could see some delays in, like, signings after this initial wave. Some of the signings could be delayed more towards training camp. Yeah, and a guy like Clown, he's going to realize, hey, you're not getting over $20 million a year. You're not going to get around 20 Maybe he gets 15 to 18 but – He's got to bring his price down. The Jets are going to need an edge rusher. You said they have around 30. Where on this list do you see them realistically going? Obviously not Clowney, but is Everson Griffin too much? Do you, do you say Shelby Harris and Dominican Sue, Derek Wolf, uh, Marcus Golden? Maybe you can get him on the low. Michael Bennett, do you bring snacks back? Where do you go? Yeah, well, Marcus Golden's an interesting guy. You know, he, he played for the Giants last year. Maybe they do that. Uh, you know, I can see him as a possibility. Uh, Vinny Curry is a guy from the Eagles they've shown some interest in. He had five sacks for the Eagles last year. He's 31 years old, so, you know, he's up there a little bit. But they might just be looking for a one-year guy. Joe Douglas knows him. I think, again, you're going to see bargain shopping here from Joe Douglas, what he did. on He wanted – the offensive line was his priority. He told agents for players at other positions he was going to address the offensive line first. So I think now you'll see him – start moving towards 
edge rushers, cornerbacks, and wide receiver, too, I think needs to be addressed. And I think you got to get another corner, man. I think they're set. We've talked about this last week, how they're set at safety. If they can get one of these corners on the low, whether it's Logan Ryan, Ronald Darby, Jimmy Smith, Bashawn Breland, Prince of Mukamura, Daryl Worley, none of those guys should be, you know, much more than $10 million. You figure if you only got, you know, you got uh, Brian Pullback for five, you could throw 10 out there to get yourself what would end up being your number one corner. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, and like I saw uh, Ian Rappaport, I think, tweeted earlier that Logan Ryan is willing to do a one-year deal. He wants $10 million because that's what he got last year. So, you know, is he a possibility? Jimmy Smith is a guy Joe Douglas knows from Baltimore. And also Chad Alexander is Joe Douglas's right-hand man. He was in Baltimore. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I think he'll be going through those guys, some of those guys you named and, and seeing where he can get the best, best value at. All right, on the offensive side of the football playmakers, the elephant in the room, Robbie Anderson, still not signed, still one of the top receivers out there. Obviously, Amari Cooper was the number one. And he went back to the Cowboys. But, you know, Robbie Anderson's price might go down. Do you, do you see a limit where the Jets say, hey, we're not giving you more than $11 million a year? Where do you see Robbie Anderson ending up? Yeah, I think the limit's probably about 12. But the longer this goes, I think the better it is for the Jets that he returns. To me, it's clear there's not a market out there for him. You know, if it's going this long without him, you haven't heard a sniff on him. You haven't heard any reports about him talking to any team. So my gut is that his market is not developing like he thought it might. You got to remember, Jake, this draft is like full of wide receivers. There's supposed to be 25 wide receivers with first three rounds, grades in the first three rounds. So I think teams are looking at it and saying, are we going to pay Robbie Anderson 15 million dollars or are we just going to draft guy you know and i think they're leaning towards the draft so you know the longer this goes like i said i think the more likely it is that robbie's back with the jets but the problem is do you want sam Darnold's number one receiver to be a rookie listen quincy anuma we don't know if he's going to be back with all the injuries he suffered jameson crowder he's a slot receiver you need a big receiver and i don't think it's fair to sam Darnold say here you know here's chris herndon here's a couple rookies and here's jameson crowder i think you gotta go out and get someone whether it's bring back robbie if you could get him for that price, whether it's get someone else, whether it's trade for a receiver, it just doesn't seem right. Sam Darnold has already kind of been strapped in terms of the targets that he's had. You got him the O line. You got to get him some playmakers. Yeah, I mean they could they could bring in a, a Perriman like like him. Uh, you know they could bring in somebody like that. They've talked to Philip Dorsett from the Patriots, but I don't see them making some big trade like we saw these big trades for Stephon Diggs and for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't see the Jets doing that because those guys are going to end up again getting paid. 18 to 20 million dollars a year I don't think they're that that's the road they're going to go down right now it could be a rookie it, it, but look if Jerry if they draft Jerry Judy he should be able to walk in right away and have an impact you know that would be the expectation so you know we'll see which way they go yeah it's going to be interesting because Darnold you know now if he's going to have an O-line that you have to figure cause that'll change their game plan I know Adam Gase is not the biggest fan of Le'Veon Bell but with an improved O-line you figure they do become run heavy which we thought would happen this year but they had so bad on the O-line that they really weren't able to find holes you have to figure a change of the game plan for 2020 I don't think they'll ever be run heavy Jake I don't think so. I think Adam Gates loves to pass. I don't think they'll ever be run heavy. Uh, you know, I think I think their the hope is Sam Darnold is in year three. At some point, you know, you drafted him third overall. He's the guy you're hoping. At some point, you hope he can elevate the people around him, right? I mean, that's what the best that's what the best quarterbacks do, right? That's what forever, forever. Tom Brady. Well, no, we'll probably talk about him at some point. But when you looked at New England, there was very few years where New England had great weapons around him. Randy Moss was there for a little while. Obviously, Gronk had a, a nice run there as a tight end. You know, I don't know if you put Edelman 
as a great weapon, but he made players better around him. And that's what you got to hope Sam Darnold does if you're the Jets. You, you, you got to hope that he can elevate those around him. Gase can play to his strengths. And you mentioned it. You mentioned Julian Edelman. We'll wrap up with this before you go to Vac. I mean, it, to me, it's weird. I mean, I cannot imagine Tom Brady. Just a picture of it, of him in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. Is just, I want to see him in the creamsicle uniform. That's the cool Bucks jersey. But him in that red Bucks jersey, it just doesn't feel right. What was your initial reaction? You as a beat writer has been covering the Jets for over a decade now. It had to have been weird for you. It's weird. It's going to be weird to see him in that uniform. I mean, the, the tea leaves, you know, were there to be red for a while now. It, it seemed like and there's some guys that I really respect that cover the Patriots and women who were writing, you know, he's going to leave. So it started to feel like more and more he was going to go. I, I still was thinking it was going to be the Chargers. The Buccaneers, it's just weird. You know, the Buccaneers, other than that little run with John Gruden, have been bad for most of my lifetime. So it's going to be strange to see him in Tampa Bay. He'll be there with Todd Bowles at, on the defensive side. It's going to be weird. Uh, the Jets play at Foxborough this year, and it's not Tom Brady. And now everyone wants to go there. I mean, the reports, you know, Schefter's reporting that, you know, guys are hitting up the Bucks, saying, hey, I want to play with him. I want to play with him. And, of course, the, it's in Super in the Super Bowls in Tampa this year. I know, you know Brady probably thought about that before he went there. He said, oh, let me be the first ever quarterback to win a Super Bowl or be in a Super Bowl in a home stadium. I'm sure that crosses mind at one point. This is weird for the division now because a lot of people, until we see who the Patriots quarterback is, a lot of people are saying, you know, this is the Bills division now. I'm not ready to write off the Patriots, are you? No, no. I've said for years, I need to see the body before I pronounce them dead. So I, I, I need to see it. I'm not going to predict doom and gloom for them. Belichick's too good. You know, he, he'll probably, he has a plan, I'm sure, and, and they'll still be a good team. Yeah, this is, uh, it's going to be an interesting division. I don't think uh, we could agree that it's it's not the Jets division in 2020, but do, do you think Brady leaving maybe uh, will inevitably lead to Belichick out the door in the coming years? Well, he's got to go at some point. You know, he's getting, he's getting up there in age. Uh, I think he he wants to show he can do this without Brady, though. I think there's an ego part of this for him uh, that he wants to win without Brady. I'm sure Brady wants to win without Belichick. You know, I, I think it's more Belichick wants to win without Brady, to be honest. I think that's something that will be very exciting for him to try to do this without Tom. You know, the interesting thing in the division now is it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's wide open. You know, the Bills are ahead of, of the Jets and the Dolphins right now, but the maybes that you wonder about have a lot more validity now. Like maybe if Sam Darnold makes this leap in year three, they can be better. You know, maybe they can contend. You don't have those. It was almost like an automatic two losses every year when you looked at the Patriots and everyone was playing for second. Even when the Jets were pretty good in 2009, 2010, it never felt like they were going to win the division. It was always kind of like, can they get the wild card? You know, it's going to be strange. And I'm curious to see, you know, what what Belichick's plan is going forward, because they've lost a lot more players than, than just Tom Brady, too, Jake. Oh, yeah, they have. And, uh, you know, they got pieces to replace. And I'm curious if someone someone not named Fig, but by the name of Cam Newton goes there or if they just go the Jared Stidham route or they draft a quarterback going to be intriguing but why don't you address that and everything the Jets have done with the 2019 New York Sports Writer of the Year New York Post sports columnist Mike Vaccaro Joining us now is longtime New York Post sports columnist and 2019 New York Sports Writer of the Year Mike Vaccaro follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Vac and read his stories in the Post and at nypost.com. All right, Vac, well, I hope you're uh, holding up okay in quarantine-ville uh, over there in Bergen County. How's everything going for you? You know what, Brian? I'm just sitting here uh, watching everything I can about the NFL free agency, and it's, it's getting me through. It's getting me through, it is, especially because 
we should be watching college basketball right now, but uh, like, I, I, don't even, I don't even want to tell you what's on True TV right now instead of college basketball. Yeah, I think this is the first year in a while I haven't had to look up True TV on my directory just to figure out what channel it was. Well, with NFL free agency back, what have you thought of uh, Joe Douglas so far in his first go around here and kind of playing the slow and steady approach to free agency? I think it's the right thing, Brian, to be honest with you. I know that uh, a lot of Jets fans were kind of sitting back and waiting nervously to see what kind of a splash he'd be able to make. And I think they're a better team right now than they were on Monday. And I think that's kind of where you start with the Jets because they, you know, the fundamental problem with the Jets last year, I thought, was they just didn't have enough good players. Certainly didn't have enough good players on the offensive line. You know, while they might not have what you would call an all-time line to protect Sam Darnold, I think they've certainly uh, gotten to the point where you can feel a lot better about themselves than they were, you know, this time last week. Uh, Robbie Anderson's still available back, the, the Jets wide receiver. Kind of surprising that he's still on the market. Do you think the Jets should, should try to pay him or, or just let him walk in free agency? You know, I, I don't think you can talk in absolutes. I think it's interesting that he hasn't been signed yet. To me, that would bode well for the Jets being able to get him at a more reasonable price than maybe they thought. I mean, I think that's the key. Look, I don't think, I don't think you can break the bank for Robbie Anderson, but obviously he's a guy who provides a lot of comfort for Sam Darnold. The two of them have started to develop a little bit of chemistry. And this early in Darnold's career, when you can identify a guy like that, it would be better to bring him back than not to, but only at a kind of a, at a price tag that Joe Douglas is comfortable with. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think the longer this goes, the better it is for the Jets because clearly there's the market isn't there for Robbie that maybe he thought there was going to be or some of us thought there was going to be. This this draft is stacked with wide receivers, so I think teams are staying away right now and you know thinking they can draft a guy and rather than pay someone. So it'll be interesting to see if Robbie is back. Are there any moves that you're kind of curious if the Jets are going to make any positions you think they need to address that you're you're kind of looking at? Well, obviously you'd love to see them get an edge rusher, but so you know who wouldn't, right? And I think that that's the you know, it's almost been the, uh, the the Jets' eternal quest, you know, ever since John Abraham left, really. I mean, I know they've had a couple of guys who have had bursts here and there uh, since then, but that, that would really, I think, kind of make the defense even more formidable than it was last year. And I cer- certainly think it would allow uh, Greg Williams to do a lot more stuff uh, if he had that at his fingertips, something he just didn't have last year. I think right now you have to be as excited as you've been in a long time as a Jets fan. Uh, maybe not for the team the way it's constituted this you know, right now at this moment this day, but the idea that, 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 that for the first time you feel like you're playing for something other than second place in the AFC East, and so it seems to me that uh, you know you would want to try and assemble on both sides of the ball right now. With the edge rusher thing, the, the, to me, you find an edge rusher in the draft, and that's pretty much it. They, they, they are hard to find in free agency because good ones get franchise tagged. They don't usually become available. Um, you know, maybe sometimes they're traded. Like we saw Khalil Mack a few years ago, but that was kind of an outlier. This approach by Joe Douglas, to me, just makes the draft so much more important. We're going to see what he can do in the draft. And like you said, it's it's kind of it's going to be interesting now. They have an opening uh, with Tom Brady out of the division. What, what was your initial reaction when the Tom Brady news came down? Yeah, I think we all saw it coming because there have been so many hints. But even so, you know, when the, the reality hits and you realize that he's actually not going to be a Patriot next year. I'll tell you what, it was, I, I don't want to say it was emotional, but I mean, it does kind of make you realize just how long he's been in place. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Somebody pointed out that, you know, he, his first start was against the Jets in the first game back from 9-11. And here we are all these years later in the midst of another national crisis. And that's when his career with the, with the Patriots finally ends. But it was really a, uh, you know, to, to, to me, the actual reality of him not being with the Patriots. And look, I mean, it's not like the Patriots are going to fade away. I mean, they still have a I hear they still have a pretty good coach, and as long as he's around, they're going to have a pretty good team. But 
the uh, the one-two punch that's really kind of just decimated uh, so much of the Jets' soul the last 20 years is gone. And, and to me, that that makes it more interesting because, look, I mean, the fans have their investments. The fact that you can actually think about winning a division maybe in the next couple of years, in addition to the possibility of making a wild card, uh, the margin for error has gone up a little bit, which is – and plus there's going to be extra playoff rounds too, extra playoff berth too available. But it just makes, I think, life as a fan that much more optimistic. At least, at least it should anyway, I would think. Where do you think seeing Brady in a Bucks uniform will rank in terms of weirdness? You know, I know you wrote about this with, uh, you know, Namath as a Ram or Johnny U as a Charger or Patrick Ewing as a Sonic. Where where does this uh, where is this one going to rank? I think it'll be closer to Joe Montana as a Chief. You know, we tend to think about the way the you know, the bad parts about Montana's tenure there, getting knocked out against the Bills in a playoff game. But you know, he really actually did lead the Chiefs to. Uh, to really the, 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 their last previous high until Patrick Mahomes came around. And he was, you know, he was a master of the comeback still with the Chiefs, the same way he was with the 49ers. Uh, if he wasn't as quite as great as he was with the Niners, he was still a pretty darn good quarterback with the Chiefs. That's kind of what I see. I mean, look, I, I don't think that we're ever going to see Tom Brady at the level he was at, but I still think he can be a very productive guy and a guy who can certainly, you know, if I'm, if I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, I certainly am very interested about what my team's going to look like for the next two or three years because I do think he's got that much football left in him. What was the strangest one for you, a guy in a different uniform? Patrick and the Sonics, because it might have been different if the Sonics had their classic uniforms, you know, the Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson uniforms. But they had those really weird, like, you know, psychedelic uniforms when he went out there with with a with a, a lot of brown in them and a lot of green in them. I mean, it just never looked right. He just, but, but, but he, as much as that, and the way he described Michael Jordan with the Wizards is, you know, whenever I looked at Michael Jordan during those two years, he always looked like somebody playing, you know, dressing up as Michael Jordan for Halloween. <laughs> he just didn't look right in that, you know, in that weird outfit at that stage of his career. So either Patrick or Michael, I think part of that is because basketball players in their uniforms, you know, you can kind of have an idea of what they're supposed to look like even more so than, than football players. I, I remember Franco Harris as a Seahawk sticks out as just weird. Um, I also, I, it's interesting. I don't think Peyton as a Bronco was weird. And then now like looking back at that, it's funny to me, like Peyton Manning as a Bronco kind of got, seemed like it was it fit so especially because he had he had that one year where he was as good as, as he's ever been so it's like you know it, it wasn't i think part of it has you know has to do with diminished performance so johnny U and the powder blues might have been might have looked great if he was still johnny U from about 10 years earlier but you know watching the uh the highlights of him just getting battered and bruised and knocked around uh, as a as a charger, I think that kind of helps to contribute to the image of of the powder blues. Yeah, and you know the famous one is Willie Mays in a Mets uniform, right? That when people reference guys uh, hanging on too long, they always talk about him. So it'll be interesting to see what Brady can do down there. He's got some weapons, got a good coach. So you know we'll see. It's going to be strange to be in Foxborough next year and, and not not hear that music when he would run out in the field, not hear Jay Z when he comes out to warm up, and and not see him beating the Jets as he usually did. You know it's been almost 10 years since they've won in Foxborough, that playoff game. So uh, it's going to be strange, but I thank you Vac, for joining us today and uh, stay safe out there. And hopefully you can find some good things to write about during this downtime. Brian, always great talking to you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You play to win the game. That will do it for this episode of gangs all here with the New York post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown for making the show happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. Stay safe out there. We will talk to you next time.